Hey, this is Michael Scobie. We're so honored that you're tuned into our podcast today. Whether you're part of our Vibrant Church family in person or online, I want to encourage you to connect with us on social media. Just search Vibrant HTX on all social media markets. You can also go to VibrantHTX.com to hear about things going on, connect with a life group, or even get to know some of our pastoral team. We pray this message inspires you, challenges you, and helps you make your next step in following Jesus. Let's jump into the message. We are so excited to be here at Vibrant with all of you. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm going to preach with the preacher. Or I'm going to go home. We love your pastors. They, they are awesome. I honestly don't know any jokes about Carmen, but I'll make up a few if y'all pay me enough. Um, now I love this family. They're amazing. I love their heart and their passion. And we are fans of Nola, of Vibrant Church. We're also fans of Nola Church, which is a good thing. But we are definitely a fan of Vibrant Church. And one of the primary reasons that we are is when he found out that we were coming into town, he invited us to watch LSU just completely decimate Oklahoma last night. So as our wonderful coach O would say, go Tigers. That's how we know Coach O is saved. He speaks in tongues before he says, go Tigers. But anyway. I got y'all laughing. There you go. I want, I want to ask y'all to do something for me. If you don't mind, stand for the reading of the Word of God. I'm not going to hold you too long with this, but I want to kind of lean into where you are in this season. And I really believe that God has given me a word far vibrant. Luke chapter 4, just two verses of Scripture. I'm reading out of the Passion Translation just because I like the way it sounds for this reading. I'll give you some context after we read, but Jesus is reading and he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me and he has anointed me to be. Everybody say to be. Now you got to say it like you're going to preach with me. Let's try that one more time. To be. Look at your neighbor and say to be y'all. I'm, I'm one of those preachers. It's okay if you talk back at me while I'm talking, just. So what has he anointed me to be? Hope for the poor. Everybody say hope. Freedom for the brokenhearted. Everybody say freedom. No, come on. Say it like Braveheart. Freedom. There we go. And new eyes for the blind. And to preach to the prisoners, you are set free. And he kind of brings their attention in. He says, I have come to share the message of Jubilee. For the time of God's great acceptance has begun. So real quick before we're seated, let's lift our hearts and our hands. Father, be with us in this house today. Your spirit has already filled this room. We already know that you are here. We've called upon your name. We've worshipped you. We've heard your word read. And Father, right now we're asking that you would fill this place with divine anointing, with divine power. In the name of Jesus, everybody said... Y'all can be seated if you're going to preach with me. If you're not, you can remain standing with me. Jesus is preaching a reading, rather, from Isaiah chapter 61, and he is, he's reading in his hometown. There's nothing like 
going to your hometown and trying to do ministry. That's why I did not plant a church in, in Baton Rouge because like literally no one would come because they remembered me from being a kid. But Jesus is no doubt, he's, he's already in his earthly ministry and he's going home to visit his mom, his brothers and his sisters. And, and if you read a few verses before this, it says that he was in the synagogue on the Sabbath day as was his custom. Notice what happens here. The God of all gods, robed in flesh, made it a priority to be in the house of God on the day that had been designated. Your pastor did not ask me to say this, but I'm just saying there's something powerful that happens when we prioritize time in the presence of God and time with other believers. Amen? Jesus wanted to, He was not only God as our Savior, but He is also God by showing us the example of how to live a full and vibrant life. He says, one of the ways that I'm going to do this, I'm going to prioritize something and I'm going to make it the top of my list. He's on vacation. He's back home. He's on the chill time. He's hanging out with mom, getting some of mom's wonderful gumbo. If they had Hebrew gumbo, if they didn't, they probably should have. He's like ribbing his brothers and like picking on his sisters as older siblings do. But he says, it's the Sabbath day. It's time for me to go to the house of God. But I want you to notice this. The, the, the town of Nazareth, they saw something different about Jesus when he walked into the house this time. Now, now many of us think that Jesus lived his life as a carpenter. There's literally no Bible for that, and there's not even any historical reference for this. This is just what we think because his stepdad, Joseph, was a carpenter, right? But you've got to remember, they, they knew Jesus as being the illegitimate son of Joseph. There were probably people in that synagogue that day that still looked down their noses at Mary like, we know what she did. We know what kind of person Mary is. You know, she's the one that, you know, and Joseph, you know, he acted like he had nothing to do with, yeah, right, immaculate, whatever. That's, the, that's what Jesus walked into. But there was something different about him on this particular trip. Because when he walks into the synagogue, the attendant hands him the scroll to read. Something was different about Jesus in this moment. You see, he is wearing the robes of a traveling rabbi. He's not wearing the leather apron of a carpenter. He's not carrying a hammer. He's walking in wearing the robes of someone who has dedicated his life to serving other people. And even though they thought they knew something about him, they saw something different in him, so much so that they invited him into their story to influence their lives. Let me just drop this in. This is not even in the notes. It's not even in the reading. Vibrant, I know you're only a few months old, but the more that you prioritize being in the presence of God, the more that you begin to prioritize who you are because of who He is, the more that your friends, your neighbors, your family, the co-workers, the people you go to school with, the more that people are going to recognize that there is something different in you so awesome. We heard some testimonies this morning in the tag-in or the team huddle, whatever it is that y'all call it, 
Somebody talking about the influence that people at work are seeing in their life just simply since they've connected to this church. That's awesome. That's only the beginning of the story. God's going to do something in you. He's already doing things in you that people are going to recognize that there's something different about you. Don't run away from that. Lean into it because it's in these moments that people say, influence me. Leadership is nothing more than influence. Because you're a child of God, because you've been called and designated by God, He has called you to be an influencer in your world. My Lord, let's stop watching Instagram to find out who the influencers of our world are. Oh my Lord, they need to put on more clothes. Let's just be real. It's high time for God's people to say, I'm going to be who I am. I'm going to see a victory because I'm going to be a victory. Amen? And step in and be, never mind, that's not even part of it. You're welcome. And he, he goes to Isaiah chapter 61. The attendant hands him Isaiah's scroll. And they, they didn't have a wonderful collection of scriptures the way we do now. They had scrolls for all the writings. And Jesus just kind of flips through the scroll, kind of thumbs through the scroll until he gets to Isaiah 61. And this is, this is what's so cool to me. The one who is the living word of God rolls to a place in Scripture that he inspired Isaiah to write about himself. So the word that inspired the writing is saying, hey, I'm going to read you something that I told him to say about me, but now I'm going to read it right in front of you. And he reads this Scripture, and no doubt these people are very familiar with Isaiah's Scripture because it was a Messianic prophecy. And and the first century Jews loved to hear about Messianic prophecy because they thought that that meant we've got freedom coming. We're no longer going to be slaves to the Roman government. We're going to have our own country. Y'all with me? They were seeking something beyond where they were. They were seeking an escape, so they loved Messianic prophecy. And the one who is Messiah, not was, by the way, is Messiah because he is still the anointed hope that we need. Amen? He steps in and he begins to read. And man, they, you can just feel that, that. That was like one of those, one of those Saturdays because that's when they did church was on Saturdays. Like there was probably two or three. I'm like, amen, I like that one. It's like when I go to those old school churches where I grew up in, they start singing Amazing Grace. Sister Sally, just like, you, you can see her. She's like. It's that Holy Ghost chicken neck going on. Imagine that's what was happening. Because they they love that scripture. But he reads it. It was like the worst transition ever. You know, in church planning, they train us. You've got to work on your transitions. Everything's got to to start and just flow. Like that day in in, in the synagogue, it was a horrible transition. Because he gets done reading, hands the scroll back to the attendant, and goes and sits down. Like that's awkward. That'd be like me closing my Bible and just going sitting down and just not even saying anything. And they're all looking at him. The Bible says, like, all eyes are on him. Like, what are you going to do, bro? And with all eyes on him, the Word of God looks back at them and says, Today, in your hearing, this prophecy is fulfilled. In this moment, you've got to understand, like today we're like, yeah, because we read the back of the book. We know who Jesus is. They didn't. They think he is the 
product of somebody sneaking around in the back seat of the car. Just being real. Is it okay if I'm real? I have zero filter, by the way. And he's letting them know this verse of Scripture, this Old Testament prophecy that you've heard your entire life is literally fulfilled in this moment. And you're looking at me, looking for answers, and I want you to know I am what you just heard. I am hope. I am freedom. I am vision. I am the Word of God. Come alive in this place. And I am here to fulfill everything that I prophesied centuries ago. Some people got upset. Some people got happy. But nobody understood. But I want you to understand something. If you'll allow me, I want to unpack a little bit. Is it okay if we do a little bit of real quick Bible study? I know we're a non-denominational church, but it's okay to still study the Bible every now and then, right? If you don't get it, just cup your hands like this and tilt your head. You'll be fine. Jesus is Messiah. Everybody say, Jesus is. What that means is Jesus is the physical manifestation of the invisible. When, When we see God in the Old Testament, Jehovah, Yehovah, Yahweh, well, however you want to say it, put enough phlegm in it, you can say however you want. People think you know what you're talking about. Jesus is. He's not was. Jesus wasn't. Jesus is. He is the expression of the invisible. He is the memra of God, which simply means I am a physical manifestation of divine power. I am Messiah. I am the one who has been promised. I am the one who fulfills all things. I am the anointed one. I'm I'm, I'm going just like following through scriptures, all the things that Jesus says about himself. In the scriptures, we see the gospel writers writing that Jesus is the son of God. You've read that. That does not mean in a Hebrew context that he is the offspring of deity. What that literally means is he is the physicality of the one that we can't see. Hear me, hear me today because I'm going somewhere. I know it doesn't sound like it, but I am. Jesus says, I'm fulfilling this prophecy today in your hearing. But it wasn't too much longer after that that Jesus looks at the disciples and he looks at the crowd that had gathered around him. By the way, Jesus never had small church. Everywhere Jesus went, crowds were attracted because he was an influencer. When you know who you are, you don't have to invite them. When you know who he is in you and who you are because of him, you don't have to do marketing. He takes care of that. His spirit goes out ahead of you and will open the doors for you. He looks at the disciples and he looks at the crowd and he says, hey, You see all this stuff I'm doing? You're going to do greater things than this. In fact, I don't even say that you're followers. I'm going to call you beloved, and I'm going to say that you are sons and daughters of God. Y'all remember that verse of Scripture? Jesus says, you are sons and daughters of God. What does that mean? In the moment that Jesus looks at them and says, you are sons and daughters of God, he is looking at people following him. And he says, you are the exact same thing that I am. 
Now, don't think that that means that I'm calling you gods today. That's not what I'm doing. That's a whole different other kind of church. We're not there today. Let me lean into what Jesus is saying. The way to do this is to go to John chapter 1, right around verse 11, verse 12. He says, and those who embraced him and took hold of his name, he gave them the authority to be called the children of God. What does children of God mean? It doesn't mean offspring of deity. It means physical manifestation of the one we can't see. When you know who Jesus is, and when you allow him to be who he is inside of the who that he made you to be, you become the same thing that he was when he was walking around the earth in a skin suit for 33 and a half years. You become Messiah to a world filled with darkness. And the reason Jesus sits on the front row of the synagogue and says, today this prophecy is being fulfilled in your hearing because he wanted some people to understand, I'm not just talking about myself. I'm talking about some people from now until the time that I call an end to this thing who are going to see who I am, who are going to know who I am, who are going to embrace me and who are going to take hold of my name. And in that moment, I'm going to call them and I'm going to anoint them to be physical manifestations of myself. And if the world could just see Jesus, they see Jesus every time you go to work. When you walk into your school, don't walk into your school being the weird one that no one wants to talk to. Walk in filled with the power of God, filled with the anointing God. Say, you don't recognize me, but I am Jesus walking around here. I'm going to come into this place and I'm going to influence you because I know who my God is. Y'all with me today? Now, I'm, I'm preaching better y'all responding. Look at your neighbor and say, Who that boy preaches shy? See if I can get that open. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Everybody say, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Come on, own it. Say, On me. No, say it with some passion. Say, On me. It's the last flipping Sunday of the year. You're excited, right? On me. You're staying up all night this week on, on, on the New Year's Eve. On me. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. What does this mean? Go to Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, You will receive power after that the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Not bumps you, not brushes you. Comes upon you, literally overwhelms you. The word that is used here in the original is the word baptizo which is, is the word that we take the word baptism from. How many of y'all been baptized today? Well, there's another baptism. There's the baptizo of the Holy Spirit. The word baptizo is, is that first century word that they would use when a boat sinks. They would say like, the boat, she done baptizo. Which doesn't mean it got sprinkled with some water. It doesn't mean that someone took a bucket and splashed it on it. It's like there's a hole in the boat and she going down. The boat has been baptized. The boat has been submerged, completely surrounded. The, the water is in the boat and the water surrounds the boat. That's what baptizo means. You will receive power after that the Holy Spirit baptizos your hide. 
The Holy Spirit will be in you and the Holy Spirit will surround you. No, it's not salvation. It's empowerment. It's empowerment to be effective. It's empowerment for you to leave that place. In fact, he goes on, he says, look, you're going to be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem where you live, in Judea, the area around where you live, in Samaria, to all those places that no one wants to talk about, those people that you've rejected because they don't look like you, smell like you, walk like you, talk like you, vote like you. Ooh, I walked into something there. Let me back up. Who don't believe like you? Samaria was the area that everybody rejected. But he said, you're going to be witnesses unto me in Samaria when I baptize you. And then you're going to go to the ends of the earth when the Spirit of the Lord is upon you. What is the purpose of all this today? Why even talk like this at the end of the year? First off, I hate Kumbaya Church, so I'm going to talk good whenever I come to church, amen? Secondly, I want Vibrant to know you have been called and you have been anointed to be more than you are right now. Get ready. You're going to need some more chairs. Get ready. You're going to need some more small groups, some more life groups, whatever you're going to call them. Get ready. You're going to need some more leaders. Get ready. You may even need some more worship experiences. Get ready. You're going to need more of what you are because you're not everything you've been called to be. Sorry about that. You've been called and you've been anointed to be more. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you and you were baptized in the Spirit of God for you to be effective in this world. And when you're baptized in His Spirit, the purpose of your life changes. I've got a job. This is what I... No. Your job is nothing more than a vehicle for you to be anointed. This is my career goal. That's awesome. God is going to give you those gifts so you can be effective in that area. He says he has anointed me to be. Y'all, you've got to understand this. Anointing isn't simply to know about God. Anointing has nothing to do with information. It's literally a mandate and a license to be more than you could ever be on your own. We need the anointing of God in our lives every day. Every time we come into the house of God, don't ever settle for secondary Sundays. Don't ever settle for just going through the motions. It doesn't matter if there's four people, if there's 400 people. We're going to go deep because when we go deep in the presence of God and we embrace Him and we take hold of His name, He gives us authority. He gives us anointing. Amen. Now let me slow it down. I'm a Pentecostal, as you can tell. Let me slow it down. I'm going to be non-denominational for the next few minutes. I'm going to give you a list. How many of y'all taking notes? That's all. Y'all are saved. Hezekiah 4, 6 says, Take thou thy notes in thine worship service, and thou shalt be saved. The anointing does some very specific things for us. Everybody say the anointing. The anointing empowers us to be in three very specific ways. Let me give them to you. First, be hope. Everybody say, be hope. Here's the thing you need to understand. The poor in our world need hope to know there's something beyond their current status. He's not just speaking of impoverishment, of, as in not having enough money. And at different times in our lives, and maybe even different times of the week, all of us know that there's going to be times we don't have enough money. But he's referencing something that we all have a relation to, to, to talk about a much deeper reality. Poor simply means I'm lacking 
what I need. I don't have the resources that I need. When I look at my situation, I don't see a way out of this because I don't see that I have enough resources. He says, I want you to be hope to the poor because they don't know there's another way to live. I want you to go to the people who don't even realize that they don't have to wake up with a hangover every day of their life. I want you to go to the people that think human trafficking is just how it is done. I want you to go to the people that they think addiction is reality. I want you to go to the people that think just being beat every night or being rejected at every point of their life, they can't see anything because they don't have the resources. I want you to go to them, and I don't want you to talk about hope. I want you to be hope. Growing up, y'all will probably remember this. Several of the others in here probably remember. They used to sing a song when I was growing up. I have hope when trouble comes my way. How many of y'all remember that song? Okay, like six of you. Hang out with these people. They know some old music. But we sang that song, and like, that was one of the moving songs. Like, I have hope. Woo, I got me some hope. Having hope doesn't mean anything if you don't do anything with it. He doesn't give you hope for you to celebrate your hope. He gives you hope for you to step out of yourself, step out of your reality, and go be hope for somebody else. The world that you live in needs hope. The world that you live in needs Messiah. The world that you live in needs you to be who Jesus created you to be, which he created you to be hope. And the moment that he baptized you with his spirit, he changed your process. He changed your reality. I don't know anything about the Bible. It doesn't matter. The moment you accepted Jesus into your life, the moment you took hold of his name, you received divine anointing from the one who always has been and always will be. And he says, I want you to leave your comfort and go be hope for them. Is this good this morning? Woo, I'm, I'm preaching good today. Amen, amen. That's the first place he anointed you and empowered you to be. Second one is freedom. Everybody say, be freedom. Look, don't just tell people about freedom. Testimonies are great. I love testimonies. I don't like testimony service at church, but I love hearing testimonies. And if you've never been to old school church where they're like, somebody got a testimony today, and you had no idea what they were going to say. The service could last another hour at that point with, with all the people talking about that. No, that's not what we're talking about. It's great to have a testimony. Jesus did this for me. I was in this situation and Jesus did this. We heard some of these this morning in the, in the team huddle and that's awesome. We overcome by the word of our testimony and the blood of the lamb. So don't ever stop sharing your story because that's how you overcome. But for so many, their testimony is just simply their story and it stays within them. The reason God took you through the test, which gave you a testimony is for you to literally take somebody else by the hand who's going through the same test and walk them through it. You're not supposed to talk about what God did for you. You're supposed to walk somebody out of the same thing that God's already walked you through. Notice I didn't say out of. Through. God will never take you out of a situation that he allowed you to walk into. The reason is because there's something he's doing in you in the process. And when you get on the other side, you'll look back with victory and you'll recognize what somebody else went through. 
God is not going to take you. God, take me out of this. He's like, no, keep walking. Keep trusting. One foot in front of the other. Hang on to my hand. Hang on to the reality of who I've anointed you to be because I'm giving you freedom. Anybody been set free of something? I was addicted to alcohol. Hopelessly addicted. I could not even wake up in the morning without just getting hammered. I worked at my house. I would roll out of bed and immediately start drinking. I could not even think. Today, I'm over 23 years sober. And I didn't take 12 steps. Nothing, if you're in 12 steps, that's awesome. We host an AA meeting at NOLA Church. It's a great way. That's not how God set me free. But I can't look at somebody else who's struggling with addiction and look down my nose at them. I can't just say, hey, I'm free. You should get free. Deal with it. No, I got to be willing to go get some of them on me. Put my arm around them. Oh, by the way, Vibrant, you're called to be involved in ministry. Ministry isn't coming and sit and say, whew, that was a good sermon, Pastor. Thank you for that wonderful song. It was glorious. Just feel the presence of God over... Whatever. You've been anointed as you went through the hell of your life for you to not stand there in your pristine splendor, but to go get some more sin on you as you rub shoulders with people who are hurting. Pick them up out of the mud and the mire and walk them out of this. Go be freedom for somebody because they don't have the ability to walk on their own. He doesn't want you to talk at them. He wants you to walk through this with them. Get involved in their story. Take them by the hand and live out faith with them. The third way that we're empowered to be is to be new eyes. Everybody say new eyes. I love, literally, that phrase right there is the reason that I'm using the Passion Translation today. Because he's not just saying, I'm going to give you vision. Church planners, we love to speak vision, right? By the way, I'm almost done. In fact, go ahead and help me. That'll, That'll let me know that I'm literally almost done. Come put some music behind me. Sometimes at home when they're ready for me to stop, they just walk on the stage and it's not even time. I'm like in my first point, they're like, it's, you're done. He wants you to be new eyes. Wait, I, I'm supposed to be new eyes? Yeah. Because the more that we speak about Jesus, not our problem, not the drama in our life, the more that we speak about the one who is our anointing, the one who is our salvation, the one who is everything that we need and so much more, the more that we speak about him, the more that people's perspective begins to change. Now, here's the deal. Hey, if you've read any, any in the Old Testament, if you haven't, go read the Old Testament. Yes, it still applies to your life. Yes. Even though it's not trendy, to talk about the Old Testament. The Old Testament is the foundation of the New Testament. You you don't have salvation without the foundation of what was in the ancient. Going to the book of Psalms. Book of Psalms describes God as the lifter of our head. Why? Why? Why that phraseology? Why put it like that? Here's the reason why. When you're in the middle of something, you kind of close down like this. 
Anybody ever been hurt by somebody else? Okay, for those of you that didn't raise your hand, next Sunday we're talking about lying. It's going to be a great series. You don't want to miss it. But when you've been hurt, when you've been through something, you kind of just want to... And all you see is where you're at. All you see is the hurt and the pain. They said this about me. And every time you get on social media, all you see are the bullies. By the way, if you're being bullied on social media, delete the app. It goes away. You don't even need to go see Dr. Phil. Everything's going to be fine. You don't need a therapist. Delete the flipping app. You're welcome. That's not even in there, but you're, you're welcome. Parents, I just did you a wonderful service. But when you're in it, that's all you see. And the presence of God comes in and says, hey, you're looking the wrong direction. You're looking at your stuff. Let me lift your head. Look at me. Peter and John are walking into the temple. They're walking in and somebody's calling out for help. Their first phrase is, look on us. Why? Because if he kept looking at his jacked up legs, nothing was going to change. Look on us. I wonder what would happen in the woodlands if a bunch of people that vibrant would stop worrying so much about the drama that they've lived in and the stuff that's in their story. If they, if they could just get so fixated on Jesus that when they go to work, when they go to school, when they go hang out with family, when they go to restaurants, wherever it is, if you could just say, you know what? Stop worried about that. Stop worrying about the news. Stop worrying about all the stuff that we hear about. Look at Jesus. Well, how are they going to see Jesus? They're going to look at you. You change their perspective the more that you talk about Jesus because the more that you talk about Jesus, God begins to give them a new way of seeing. He begins to give them new eyes. God has anointed you and he has purposed you to be a new perspective for the world that you live in. They're looking at life through pain and through a haze of just hurt. He's like, no. There's a better way to live. No, you don't have to live like that. Yeah, I I know that that happened to you. And I'm not diminishing what happened to you. It's real. It hurts. But you don't have to look at that anymore. Because the one who is healing is here. And he's in me. And if he's in me, he can be in you. So why vibrant? Why are y'all here? Y'all are here to be hope, to be freedom, to be new eyes to everyone in the woodlands. And this is only the beginning. God's got stuff for you that you haven't even imagined yet. That's why he called you. That's why he anointed you. Here's what he wants to do. He's given you an opportunity this morning At the end of 2019, Pastor Mike already said, it's the beginning of a new decade. Next Sunday, it's a whole new decade. This would be an amazing time for someone just to let go of what was. 
I call it the Pumbaa principle. Put your past behind you. Like I'd been preaching at Nola Church about three months and still was learning how to do this. And I told everybody to put their past in their behind. I'm not going to tell you to do that today. But this is a good time for you to realize that you're more than just someone who exists. You've received new life. The moment, I'm not talking six months later. You don't even have to complete next to get new life. Do next. Go to step two today. If there's 75 steps, do all 75 of them. But the moment that you embrace him, how do you embrace him? I need a savior and I can't save myself. And there's only one and I I accept the fact that you are my God. That's it. And then he says, embrace him and take hold of his name. Why his name? Because at the name of Jesus, every knee bows. Things in heaven, in case there's any judgmental angels, they have to bow at the name of Jesus. Things in heaven, things in earth. That's all the other people that exist there. That's all of the things that we see on the news. That's everything that happens on earth. It has to bow to the name of Jesus. But he doesn't stop there. And things under the earth. Those are those things that we don't talk about, that we're scared of. Things that go bump in the night. The enemy, the devil, Satan. Stupid head. Even your greatest enemy has no authority when you take hold of the name that is authority. And when you see who he really is, no, he's not one among many. He is the physicality of the one true living God. He is the divine expression of the invisible spirit who breathed life. I know who my God is. I know I need a Savior. And if that's who you are today, if that's where you're at, God will begin a life change, an anointing change, a purpose change, an entire radical life change in your heart in this moment. And you will leave here today and you'll step into a brand new decade, a completely different purpose. To be hope, to be freedom, and to be new eyes. that sound good to anybody this morning? Here's what I want us to do. Nobody looking around. Every head bowed. I I don't even know if this is your custom. I don't want anyone looking around. This is a time just you and God. And other people are going to be making decisions. Let's be respectful of this. In this moment, if you're here in this house and you're ready to make a decision, I'm not saying you're lost. I'm not saying you're saved. I'm just saying you're ready to make a decision to embrace everything that Jesus is and to take hold of his name. If that's who you are today, I want you to lift your hand up. Nobody looking around. Let me see your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hands are going up. Anybody else? Just leave your hand up for a second. Y'all hands are up all over the building. Father, right now, for every hand that's raised, 
and everyone who raised their hand on the inside because they weren't quite ready to show that decision. Lord, I pray that you would see that they are embracing you. See this decision and meet them where they are. Begin to do a radical life change in their life right now in the name of Jesus. Now, here's what I want to do with still no one looking around. Right where you're sitting, I think it'd be great if everybody in the building would just lift both hands to Jesus. You can call touchdown. You can carry the TV. You can hold the baby. Whatever it is that you want to do. This is just that place, that moment of surrender. Why the hands raised? Because that's the universal sign of surrender. Today, I'm surrendering to everything that my God is. Father, see this surrender that's happening. See this moment, Lord.